0: Welcome to the Generation Music Podcast, where we talk to music generation South Dublin tutors, mentors, students and other persons of interest. In this edition, we're all about Sub Sounds, a youth music collective based in Ruhr Red, South Dublin Arts Centre in Tallagh. Sub Sounds is open to young people who want to compose, record and perform their own music, and the end of the programme is marked by an album launch of their own original material. So today we talk to Martin Moran, Lindsay Lawler and Elton Mullally, all professional musicians in their own right who mentor the students each week. First though, let's have a quick Music Generation news update. The Music Generation South Dublin Hubs are taking to the airwaves. This year, the end-of-term concert will take place on May 30th on Dublin South FM, where hub students will showcase their talents and the winners of the Hubs songwriting competition will be performing their winning entries. So tune in to Dublin South FM online and on 93.9 FM at 6pm on Sunday, May 30th. The Hangout Summer Sessions will take place online every Thursday over summer. So if you're aged between 14 and 18 and interested in playing and writing songs, you have until May the 25th to sign up. For more information on all Music Generation South Dublin events, see our website and our Facebook page. Now in our virtual Zoom studio, we're going to meet Martin, Lindsay and Elton from Subsounds.
1: I'm Martin Moran and I manage an organisation called Alternative Entertainments in Talla. We, we have offices in Rua Red Art Centre. But we've been in existence since 1982. It was started by a couple of people from the Tala area. uh, Liam Morrissey and my dad, Tom Moran, I think, were two of the original members. There might have been a couple of others in Liam's kitchen, (laughs) apparently. And there wasn't much happening in Tala at the time. Not a lot of arts-based activities. So they decided they were going to bring the art to Tala. And so they started off with gigs and art exhibitions, you know, uh, painters coming to Tala and then writers and dancers and the, the whole thing just gradually built up and Alternative Entertainments came into being. And I got involved in it as a participant. I would go to rock school things or workshops and, and stuff like that that Liam would, would run. And there was a thing back in the 80s called the Tala Rock School, which was an Alternative Entertainments project. And I, I was part of that as a, a young person. So eventually when I got involved uh, with All Tents, w- working with them, Liam gave me kind of free reign to, to work on stuff I wanted to work on and I remembered those rock school things that we did back then and I decided I wanted to start something like that up again. So in 2004 we started the South Dublin Rock School. And after about five years, four or five years of that, we went into partnership with the Arts Office in South Dublin County Council, who had already been funding us, but they got more involved and it kind of changed into, into Suburban Sounds, which then changed into Subsounds. So Subsounds is a, I suppose, shorthand it's a rock school, but we like to call it a music collective. So it's a place where young musicians, usually between 14 and 18, get together and write new music, perform together, rehearse, hang out with older musicians such as myself mm-hmm. and Elton Mullally who's been on board since the early days of the South Dublin Rock School. Elton, myself and Elton have kind of designed the, the course to, to be what it is today. We don't call ourselves tutors or teachers because that's not what we do. We don't even lead the sessions, the, the young musicians that lead the, the sessions and we become just alphas in the corner who, who've been through it and we know what <laughs> what to do you know yeah well whether we know what to do is questionable but we've been through it and we've got ideas and they can take those ideas on board if they want and sometimes they do and sometimes they don't but in the end we we put together an album usually every year that re- gets released in april with a, a launch a concert in the in venue in town more recently that's been the grand social it's a great great rock and roll venue Obviously, for the last couple of years, we haven't been doing it that way. The launch events tend to be online performances by the the young musicians. And that's probably, well, yes, that's what we're going to do this year. There won't be a gig, obviously, this year. We're in the process of putting that album together now. The 2021 uh, Sub Sounds annual record is being mixed as we speak.
0: Are there any requirements now for people joining Sub Sounds? Do they need to be able to play an instrument, for example?
1: No. They just need to be into music. They need to be committed. Now, we do tend to get musicians, people who can play a bit. We, you know, we, we get all kinds of musicians, people who, who perform with their voice or with an instrument, um, people who are lyricists, but don't want to sing the songs. And we try to give them an insight into what they can do in music. If they want to pursue it as a career, that's great. But they just want to be musicians, just want to play and want to have a bit of crack and hang out with, people of their roughly their same age and their, their, the same musical tastes. We create a, a space for that kind of thing as well. Like I say, it's a collective. We, we don't want them to think they're turning up every week for a, a class or a, something like that. So they are turning up every week for a class, yeah. but we create a space where they can we hope that they meet during the week. We um, provide them with free rehearsal time when rehearsal space is available in Ruhr And it continues past April, you know, over the summer now, we've recently started introducing extra uh, releases like albums and EPs that we've been putting out for the last couple of years and it's going to be the same this year as well. So it continues on as a thing beyond the confines of a, a simple schedule. That was always the intention when myself and Elton started it up.
0: And I suppose um, being exposed to different musicians and different instruments is there an opportunity for students to try out drums or try out a guitar or different keyboards or anything like that?
1: It's more than an opportunity. We insist on it. Yeah. We encourage that, and we put people who have never played drums on on drums on a song. Yeah. And they may not end on the, up the finished recording, or they they might, or they might be doing percussion. If they haven't played keyboard, we give them a, a synth line or a, a melody line, or we show them how to play chords. Uh, same with guitars, with all the instruments, we try to get everybody to do some singing. We don't force that, but we try to encourage them to, to get an experience of all the instruments and all the aspects of putting a record together. I suppose if you were to define it very, very loosely, the point of it is to make a record. We start up in around October, and the idea is to get from there to April with enough material, to release a record uh, So we, we usually have a day long recording session in Windmill Lane Where most of the live recording The drums and quite a lot of the guitars and singing is done And then the rest of it is finished in Jerry Horan's studio In Ruared Contact Studios So Jerry is one of the team So we use his studio as well for extra bits That we don't get covered in Windmill This year we haven't been in Windmill Because yeah. obviously...
0: That's a pity, yeah. It must be quite a thrill for students to go to a Mill Lane because it's such an iconic studio.
1: It's an eye-opener. It's a thrill for yeah. us. Yeah, I mean, right. and, and we, we've been in it. I mean, I've recorded there a couple of times, uh, Elton, yeah. everybody has. Most of the people we work with have been in there from time to time. But even, just every time I walk into that room, we're, we're upstairs and I think it's Studio One it's called. It's the big studio space with the big desk. It's just, you know, you just take a moment every single time. Yeah. And the kids are all, yeah, it's like the Starship Enterprise. It's oh, yeah. it's, it's mad looking. Yeah. Well, it is for me, anyway.
0: Yeah. Tell us about the master classes that Subsense holds.
1: I suppose every week is a master class. Uh, the, the, the mentors are all working musicians and working engineers, and they're, they're imparting their knowledge on a weekly basis to the participants. Yeah. But we do occasionally get. I mean, every year we'll get guests in covering different aspects. Uh, Quite often it's performers, so we we get them to talk about songwriting and and, um, touring and performances and whatever else. Uh, Sometimes we'll get managers in and we'll get engineers and just different professionals. Every year now we get somebody in from one of the main music colleges, the third level, just to give them an insight on what they do. And to help them, if they're interested in, you know, tell them what they have to do to, to apply, what what a portfolio might look like. We, we're obviously helping them put something together themselves. So every year they'll have a recording of themselves that's done in Mill Lane. So it's a nice thing to have in your CV.
0: Do you do anything, you know, I know a lot of musicians who are releasing albums, especially at this particular time over the pandemic and they're doing all the self-promotion, they're working really hard on Instagram and YouTube and that's a whole other thing, but um, self-promotion obviously is very important. Do you cover anything like that or do you prefer to keep it more like performance focused?
1: Uh, no, we cover all that. We yeah. uh, we, we have some, I don't, uh, yeah. it's not something that I know a great deal about, but we have people who were participants who have now come back as mentors and some of them have gone through stuff like BIM or Ballyferment College yeah. or different music courses Yeah. some of the younger mentors Lindsay for instance is not that long out of BIM a couple of years she's been making her own records and yeah. producing them and, and promoting them Amy, Amy Nessens, another another young singer songwriter who was with us when she was teenager and who's now making her own music and promoting it mm. so we lean on those people really to, to pass some of those skills on
0: how are you getting on with the lessons online and how have you adapted from all being together in one room to being together on a screen
1: yeah it's uh, i think we've adapted pretty well actually it's it's not ideal it's not it's not where, where we perform best the environment that works best obviously for musicians is to be in a room together yes banging ideas off each other, playing, playing instruments, making mistakes, having the chats, yeah. you know, being up close and personal and sweaty and it all smells a bit bad and stuff like that after four <laughs> hours. But, you be. know, that kind of closeness and intimacy produces really good stuff. But mm-hmm. we've had to do it and what it has done, it has added an extra focus for us on music technology. We got some equipment in with the help of a couple of grants uh, from Music Network, from Music Generation South Dublin in right. particular. They were very helpful, uh, the arts office were helpful. We got home recording equipment, uh, yeah. MIDI keyboards and microphones, and we had a, a library set up where the participants came and picked up equipment. Yeah. Uh, we even got a couple of laptops off Music Generation South Dublin for those kids whose stuff at home wasn't up to scratch, so they could borrow laptops as well. Yeah. And we based it all around that, and using free, you know, free music technology software that you can get online and not have to pay for. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the album was recorded at home like that. Amazing. You know, it's not ideal. We can't do live performance, and that's a big part of what we do. Yeah. But. It, I, you know I think the, the quality of the songs is just as good as it was you know, and it's a big part of music today that people make albums in their bedrooms and it's a lot of self-production and, and right. uh, it, it's good for them to get that experience as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely What does Sub offer young people that maybe they wouldn't get elsewhere?
1: The main thing we offer is just a, a place to hang out and play music. We say this every year and every year it's true and it's a cliche and it sounds a bit boring but it, the thing they get out of it is confidence. They become more confident after six months and then quite a few of them, if they dig it, they come back year after year to two or three years, some of them depending on what age they start. But it makes no difference even if that isn't the case. It's just confidence. It's it's knowing that you're as capable as anybody else in the music industry of doing something. Because they, they, they're looking at people that they admire, I presume You know, Billie Eilish or maybe before her there was Taylor Swift, uh, I suppose Ed Sheeran is still somebody that people would, would cite. And they're roughly their age, you know, there's no reason why they can't do it. And and to be honest with you, and I say this every year, some of the songs that are produced for our records are better than that those people have ever written.
0: Yeah, yeah. I
1: firmly believe true. that, That's. Yeah. but I'm a grumpy Elflet and <laughs> I've got opinions about music, like all the grumpy alphas. Last year we did an album in the summer and it's called gems yeah. j-e-m-z and it featured four of the young female songwriters that we've had on the course over a couple of years so we showcased two songs from each of them that's right and the songs on that album are just incredible it's just so talented it's such a good yeah. a good showcase and the the added thing about that record was it was done in lockdown so they had to record a lot of that in their bedrooms yeah Amazing and then yeah. we had to yeah. do some work in studios and got them in to do vocals, I think, for one or two of the songs, but a lot of it was done on their phone and stuff. Obviously good production is important, but if the song is good enough, mm. it just shines through. So there's a couple of the songs on that Gems album that just blow yeah. you away. And I mean, our, our emphasis is on original music. We don't do covers, mm-hmm. but last summer we did a covers album uh, of protest songs called Declare and Protest.
0: Yeah, that was interesting.
1: And the performances from some of the kids on that, it's just amazing. Yeah. Amazing uh, how they interpreted old songs like old John Lennon and Dylan and protest songs from from the ages. Uh, It was just, it's very impressive when you you give them free reign to do what they want and you don't really get in their way, the results are amazing.
0: That idea of protest songs is not something you hear about very much these days. And the way music is. That's what we thought. Yeah, um, music is kind of used as in a. Well, it's a different thing That's It's more commercial anyway. Yeah.
1: So. Well, it's more ornamental.
0: Yeah, ornamental is a good word. <laughs> yeah, the,
1: the, I mean, again, the outfit in me thinks that music has been totally underutilized yeah. as a social force, a societal force. It I'm not saying music will change the world, of course it doesn't. <laughs> but, you know, you think of. Bob Dylan on the steps beside Martin Luther King in 1963 when he made that I Have a Dream speech.
0: Yeah.
1: You think of uh, Nina Simone singing songs with that anger in her voice or Neil Young doing Ohio. I mean, all these songs become a focus point for people's anger and disillusionment. Yeah, yeah. There seemed to me to be a little less of that. Mm. Now, having said that, we featured some more recent ones. I know Hosier did a song... Uh, Nina Simone is mentioned in it Nina. oh yeah mm.
0: Nina Cry Power I think.
1: that's quite recent that was a great song yeah, yeah, and yeah. a little bit further back we did Just a Girl oh yeah you know, that, that song which is yeah. another protest song so they, they still exist yeah just yeah. seem to be a little less of them I don't know
0: mm-hmm. yeah uh, and they're a good outlet as well for people to you know especially
1: you know, yeah. these days. Well, these kids, they were, like I say, about 15, 16, they were being yeah. introduced to this idea, and they really warmed to it. They loved yeah. it. And yeah. one of the young performers, Megan McGarry, who's a prolific songwriter, wrote a protest song for the album called Snake That's Pit, right. which was yeah. a real lashing out at politicians in Ireland uh, yeah. about a number of things, but in particular their immigration stance. So mm-hmm. uh, that was amazing to be yeah. part of that, just to hear that that anger. From a a young person.
2: Hi there, can I speak to you just for a second? Cause every minute of your time is precious, it's running low. Right now, someone's mother or brother was taken because a man in a suit needed space, so they had to go. Tell me how we spend all our money so wisely on a faulty printer or some coffee, I wanna know. But when we question what they are doing about refugees Or how there's people dying, waiting in A&E They don't want to know If you don't have money, you don't have fame You're already losing, get out of the race Nobody questions, nobody cares If you don't make a sound, they won't know that you're there
0: Many thanks to Martin Moran for talking to us. A short clip just there of Megan McGarry and Snake Pit from the Sub Sounds Declare and Protest album. Up next, we're talking to singer, songwriter and Sub Sounds mentor, Lindsay Lawler. So you were a past student of Sub Sounds, I was, yeah. you returned as a mentor. So you've seen it from both sides, which is kind of a unique position. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved to start with?
3: Yeah, I'm... Um It's been really nice to see myself come full circle in it. And I think that's why I enjoy working on the courses, that I know what it's like from both ends. So I kind of started Sub Sounds, I think, when I was coming up towards my junior cert, And I didn't realise that it was a songwriting based group. So I thought it was just, you know, the music group. You go in and kind of play a couple of covers or whatever. But I remember I arrived in on the first day and they turned around to me and they said, do you write songs? And I said, oh, no, I don't write songs. And then um, well, they said, well, you do now. Oh. And then I just went, OK, no, I guess I do now. <laughs> and funny enough, I went home and I wrote a song and it kind of was that simple. And Sub Sounds is great for showing you your potential. Like, because it's so easy in life to say, oh, no, I don't do that. I can't do that. Jeez, I wouldn't be able to do that, you know. Mm. And then when you try and then when you kind of are given the tools to do it, you're kind of blown away by what you actually can do. So yeah, I went in, I was in subsense for a couple of years, yeah. obviously then changed my career path. I was previously um, considering being an Irish teacher. I was always very big into Irish and it kind of just changed me in the way that this is actually what I want to do. I love this so much that I want to do this for my whole life. Yeah. So I went on from Sub Sounds to go to BIM and I did four-year degree in songwriting and commercial modern music.
0: Amazing. And
3: I feel like if I did any other college course, I would have struggled and potentially dropped out. But I just loved every moment of music college. It was just exactly what I wanted to do. So then when I finished up and Martin offered me a position working on the Sub Sounds course, I obviously jumped on it, you know, because yeah. I just first of all was jealous that I could no longer take part in the course because I was <laughs> yeah. too too old. Um, but just to be back in the room, just the vibes, it was always just such an amazing creative atmosphere. There was no formalness to the music. It was always just you play it, you play what you feel, you say what you feel. And it always just sounded great. And we were encouraged to push ourselves out of our comfort zones. And if you came in, say, for example, with a guitar, we would have put you on drums if you came in (laughs) with the bass they would have said right well, you play keys yeah and i think just things like that just showing you you can do things instead of leaving you sitting in your restricted zone of no i'm a guitar player and Mm -hmm. i don't sing it was always encouraging to to bring you out of your comfort zone and the confidence i think that i gained anyway from sub sounds is just crazy did you do music
0: in school as a subject?
3: I did not, no, but only because we didn't have it in school. And I'm kind yeah. of grateful that we didn't because mm-hmm. I see now how, how kind of formal it was and yeah. classical bass. I, I don't know if I would have enjoyed it quite as much as the music education I gained from Sub Sounds. Yeah.
0: So I think that maybe Subsounds was better preparation for the course at BIM.
3: But I think what Subsounds would have done to prepare me for BIM is that Collaboration is a big thing, especially in first and second year where you're put into groups with people that you've never met before. Mm -hmm. And you have to go out and find yourself a rehearsal room, maybe five of you in a group and make a song together and get it together and rehearsed in one week and get back in and perform it on the following Monday. I think Sub Sounds really prepared me for that because we would have done that all the
0: time. That's all we ever did. And now that you're a mentor, can you describe your role when you go in each week?
3: Yeah I mean week to week it varies like it's which is nice so sometimes you come in and you might have seven or eight teens and they're like I have a song I have a song I have a song which is so great when you go in and we'll kind of break them into rooms then and go right you're going to be here what do you need okay you need a bass player a drummer a guitar player right okay do you want to be the bass you want to be the drum you want to be the guitar player familiarize them with the arrangement of songs how rehearsal work how you should not play through the song every single time if you think mm-hmm. there's something wrong stop it and go something's not matching here with that bass and and whatever you know teach them how that kind of goes and how to run a rehearsal essentially sometimes you come in and there's no songs nobody has a song especially early <laughs> on in the course I think people a lot of time do have songs but they're they don't want to come out and say it yet. yeah then what we'll kind of workshop and I think those workshops I think were amazing for me anyway that you're like wow this is how quick a song can come together how easy a song can come together just like picking up a guitar right you play three chords there you sing something over that tro drum beat over that and then it suddenly it just gives you this rush of adrenaline you're like oh my god this is great like <laughs> did you go into windmill lane do any
0: recording there was that part of the course back then
3: I did i i caught the start of that i mean when oh, i was yeah. finishing up in Subsounds, yeah which was great but yeah when i go in now as a as a mentor i'm like This is amazing, like it's an opportunity that you'd never get. I don't know, it's just like such a good experience. And I think from such a young age to go in and experience a studio of that level, I think really sets you up for your music career because you're on the highest level really essentially. And having to deal with sound mixes, you can't be making loads of noise in the studio like you can in a rehearsal studio. How to tell the sound man what you need. I need more vocals in my headphones. I can't hear myself. You know, learning all of these kind of ins and outs of how a studio works. And then once you go out on your own and you don't have mentors to look after you, you have it. You know, I've done this before and you're confident and... I think the experience part of subsounds it's just like a mini music career yeah. that when you do go out into the real world, you know how a gig works, you know how to sound check, you know all of these things. And I think, yeah, they're all really great for for pursuing your music career, following mm-hmm. on from that.
0: The whole idea of the Sub Sounds Collective was that you'd all be in a room together making music and that hasn't really been possible uh, over the last year. So how have you and how have the students adapted to that?
3: I mean, it was tough at the start, I'm not going to lie. Um, obviously, there's a lot of disappointment. The best part about Suburban Sounds is kind of going in and seeing everybody every week and getting to play music. It took a lot of brainstorming, a lot of planning, because the last thing we wanted to do was stop doing it, because we all love it. The kids love it, we love it. Yeah. So that was kind of our very last option, was to yeah. just call it off. So we looked into a lot of things. Obviously, Zoom, first of all, was going to be how it was delivered. Mm-hmm. Um, And then we found out about Soundtrap. Yeah. Soundtrap has been... The holy grail for keeping subsounds going this year yeah it just allowed us to almost simulate what we were doing in subsounds in the way of splitting people into rooms in zoom and opening up separate soundtrap sessions so that we could continue to make music now it wasn't without its challenges obviously we mm-hmm. all had to learn our way around soundtrap mm-hmm. but we ironed out the cracks kind of early on and everybody kind of got into it really and we're we're getting where we want to be now you know everybody's enjoying coming in and I guess the end goal for Sub Sounds every year is the is the album yeah now we would normally do that in Windmill Lane so we'd love to be doing that but we're making it work from home at the moment which is nice so through Soundtrap and you know what it's actually it's actually amazing the quality hasn't dropped yeah. since people have been at home if anything it's just changed slightly into Rather than being completely live, there's a lot of kind of synths going on, and yeah. I think it gave a lot of people opportunities to try new things that we probably wouldn't have tried, like the whole using a DAW, like a like a like a workstation, like like Logic or Ableton or mm-hmm. or Soundtrap itself. I think that itself was a great outlet to get the kids kind of using something like that so early on, yeah. Because those things are hard to wrap your head around at the start, you know, yeah. um. But we're getting there and I think we're all kind of happy with how it's ended up. Obviously, we'd rather be doing a gig. Yeah, we'd course. rather be going to the studio, but we made it work. And I think everybody's kind of happy with the outcome, you know, and yeah. every, like great work has been produced. And I'm I'm definitely very happy with the work
0: that's, that's come out of it, despite the holding back that we kind of had. With Soundtrap now, can someone log in and see the work that's been done and kind of go, oh, I think some keywords would sound nice here and record into it. Is that how it works?
3: Yeah. So you set up your own little Soundtrap file and you can invite anybody into it and work on it um, during subsounds. But then afterwards, everybody goes off and yeah, you can open it back up and have a listen now that you're not on a Zoom call and you have all the time in the world to listen and to add things in. And, you know, obviously we've been pretty respectful to not delete anybody's work (laughs) without talking to them, but like add, by all means, add, like... So we ended up with like too much work in yeah. the sessions so we could trim and pull back and put this here and put that there. Yeah. And so that's been working out great. And yeah, everybody has been really creative with the use of sound drop.
0: you think, well, a lot of these things be, we well, keep using them. You know, once we go back face to um, face, we planning to drop it all or keep some things going. That's a good question,
3: actually. And that's something I was thinking of the other day. Like, I think this year has brought us a lot of things that we we had to take on to replace old things, but that will continue to go on. And I think Soundtrap was only given to us and we were very reluctant at the start (laughs) to use it. But I think now that we have it, it is a great tool that, we can share with the participants of Sub Sounds, even if we never have a Zoom lesson ever again, to go on and kind of mess around and produce things and come up with a track where you can record yourself singing the whole song and all of your guitar ideas, piano ideas, and have a semi-decent demo that you can send on to other participants and say, hey man, I'd love you to play drums on this for me. And it just speeds up the whole process. A lot of participants would be vocalists and wouldn't really play instruments that yeah. they could just record themselves singing and send it to somebody and somebody could lay down some some bass on it, some guitar, and it can be kind of sent around and it develops. I definitely would encourage the use of it, not for um, the sole purpose of, of writing music. I do really enjoy writing music in yeah. the rooms, but I think it's great for collaboration and it should be used, I think, yeah. going forward.
0: What is the best thing for you about working with sub-sounds?
3: I always thought the best thing was the confidence. I've seen so many participants, including myself, start in sub-sounds a little bit shy, a yeah. little bit, oh, I don't really want to sing in front of people, kind of and then you'd like within months it flies you just see yourself being like i want to get up first can i get up first Do you want to hear my song yeah and i think that's what i love to see in sub sounds is that on the first week everybody's quiet sitting down not talking to each other and by week 6 you're like i wish they would shut up you know it's <laughs> like, they're coming in they're shouting they're singing and oh no it's so amazing to see you know just that kind of confidence yeah. build and it's just the the psychology of music really and collaborating with music it connects us and it yeah. it awakens part of us that we didn't know that we had it is it's amazing for the brain and i love seeing the the confidence development in in participants that would be quite quiet at the start and it builds from there you know
0: and you yourself are a singer songwriter is there anything this year you would have done that you wouldn't normally have done under normal circumstances, something that the pandemic kind of changed for you?
3: Yeah, um,
0: I actually had a lot of
3: opportunities that I think I wouldn't have had if the pandemic wasn't um, a thing. I got a lot of kind of online commission um, based work, which was nice. Um, Before Christmas, I was given the role of writing the spoken word narrative to the unwrapped short film, which was really nice and again, really collaborative. I got to set up loads of spoken word workshops with people from the, the communities of South Dublin and try and put together one poem involving probably a hundred people, you know, about what brings light to our community in a year that we've been deprived of so much to try and find the positives in the area and how people have kind of helped us through that. Yeah. That was a beautiful project to work yeah. on. There's so much light and there's so much love in those communities, Yeah, I think was really nice. Um, And following on from that, I got another job working on a collaboration between Contact Studio and Emergence, which was a really fun project um, where I was working in collaboration with choreographers. So they were choreographing dances and I was producing music and we were doing it parallel, which was very fun. So we're kind of like, I'm going to do this movement here and I want you to get more Material or more intense Mm. or like bass come in here and it was just like a really fun way of making music because normally you don't have those terms and it's beautiful to make music from those terms of like using movement to inform sound i think that was great i've just finished that up recently but i think a lot of these working from home jobs i wouldn't have had the opportunity to do before because i worked quite a lot you know yeah yeah being at home I, I took on a lot more work that I, I previously wouldn't have had the time or energy, I think, to do. Yeah. So, yeah, I kind of, I changed up my style. Um, I, I always wrote kind of band focused music. Yeah. When I was writing, I would be thinking of a band. OK, the drums will probably come in here and then the bass will come in here and then back and vocals might be nice over that. Yeah. I obviously couldn't really do that anymore. I had no motivation because I had no gigs to play it at. I had yeah. no band to play it with. So I pushed myself into spoken word and poetry and just writing words. And I actually really surprised myself of when I started it. I had so much to say. Yeah. And just I didn't, I, I wasn't aware of it. You know, I started yeah. talking and I was like, you know, what? I actually have a lot of things that I want to say. I think because I didn't write for so long, it just kind of flowed. Yeah. And I got into that. I started making workshops for that. I'm currently making um, another workshop that I have to do at Crinoline and Oogh not everybody might feel the same way about it but I think it has big healing factors of you know obviously counselling first of all is talking Mm -hmm. to heal yeah spoken word is talking and everybody can do it you know a lot of people are threatened by singing and oh I don't want to sing in front of people it's a bit kind of scary and I totally understand that it's hard to sing in front of people yeah yeah but I think speaking everybody speaks you speak from the moment you wake up in the morning until you say good night you know it's Everybody can do it. Like I haven't had anybody that, oh, Jesus, they're really not catching this. They can't do it. Obviously, people can't do it. Everybody can do it. Everybody can speak, you know, everybody has emotions. If you have emotions, then you can speak, you can do spoken word. And that's what I'm trying to kind of spread now is is using spoken word as a healing tool. So that's where I am right now.
0: And what about plans for the future?
3: I'm actually currently trying to work on an album written and recorded from home, which God, I never thought I'd be able to do, you know. Yeah. I am planning on trying to get some music out soon, I'm working on lots of creative projects. I'm starting up spoken word workshops for teenagers. Um, I'm just launching myself into doing lots of stuff because I feel like I don't know. I've obviously had a big break off work, but now I'm like, no, I'm gonna do so much more now because there's just I'm ready for it. You know, there's I've 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 had my break, <laughs> and I'm um, I just miss I miss music. Yeah, not that I ever stopped music, but I, I miss gigs obviously, and I miss releasing stuff so I'm just trying to find ways now to, to release stuff so yeah home recording is, is what I'm doing at the moment yeah. and, and, and writing and it's going good cause on shone my Dermot stream beyond words that battered me the women with tired feet concealed in the
0: Thanks to Lindsay Lawler for joining us today. That was No Teeth from her EP, Sake. Finally, now we're chatting to Elton Mullally, mentor and co-founder of Sub Sounds. So you started what was then known as the South Dublin Rock School with Martin Moran in 2004, and then it changed its name to Subsounds. How has it changed, in your opinion, over the years?
2: How has it changed? I suppose in some ways, it hasn't really changed at all but because it's still, no matter what we do to the model of the delivery of the of the program, essentially, we kind of see the same thing happening every year, which is why we love going back and doing it with the kids. So in one way, it's a group of kids who have some kind of interest in the arts or being creative or music or whatever it is, and they come into this group environment. And then by the end of it, they come out with a whole bag of skills um, and whether they take them into, onto a music career or not is it's irrelevant almost it does it's not really the thing it's about nurturing the kids really and that's always i'm sure the other lads have mentioned it that's always been the most rewarding thing consistently over all the years has been watching some kids come in shaking with nerves some of them on the first week not able to maintain eye contact they're so shy um and then six months later they're up on stage rocking out with a you know a bass guitar in their hand or something and it's, it's it's amazing so from that point of view actually which is the central kind of core of our ethos i suppose that 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 has never changed what has changed i suppose is that the size of the thing mm. Um, it has it received increased funding over the years which has been fantastic like when me and martin started it we were in a crummy little office in a community center somewhere in Tala, and we had nothing it was Ian Martin, a couple of guitars and and some really keen Mm. young dudes. You know, now we're in the fortunate position. You know, it it grew when it moved into Rua Red, it grew again. The facilities were there. We got some funding, uh, South Dublin County Council, then Music Generation came on board in the last few years. And that's been amazing. But essentially, it kind of feels the same to me, to be honest. It's just bigger, brighter. Um, our facilities are better, yeah. our, our, our instruments and stuff are, are better. And we're, <laughs> we're, we're much better organised as well over the last few years. We've yeah. had to be as it's grown, you know.
0: And where did you get the idea from? Had you experienced anything like a rock school and you just thought this would be brilliant. I want to start up one of my own.
2: Is that? No, uh, well, I went to Ballyfermot uh, Senior College and okay. that was called Fermit Rock School at the time. Yeah. So um, when I did my leave Cert, I went to Galway, went to UCG. Mm-hmm. And I did an arts degree there in, bizarrely, economics and geography.
0: Um, okay.
2: I was a very, very confused uh, young man when I left school and there was, right. wasn't much guidance. I'm from Athlone. Yeah. there was a Christian Brothers school and the fair guidance was pretty crap. Sure. And yeah. even though I was interested in the arts and I was interested in music, what I, I kind of didn't know myself I was. And I, I, I could have really done with somebody kind of taking me aside and going, why don't you kind of head this direction, something creative, but that wasn't spotted at the time. So I went and I did just a kind of a broader thing with art.
0: Yeah.
2: Economics, I could nearly killed me. You know, I didn't even do it at school. And then I came out of there and I was like, I'm not going back studying. Mm. And then I started writing songs, a couple of little songs on on the guitar. And then I started going to gigs. So I was quite late when I started going to big gigs. And I went to, I remember going to a gig in Dalyman Park when I was about Mm. 16. No More, I think. Like they were my favourite band at the time. And I remember going yeah. like, and I was a very shy kid, but I was like, I could do that. I want yeah. to do that. So what I decided to do after I went to college was I came straight to Dublin and I joined the music school. So I did go through a kind of a rock school model, but I don't think that had any bearing on, on, on our reasons for doing it. It just seemed like a brilliant thing to do that should be there. And it wasn't yeah. really there, apart from or from you know, from the rock school there. So we just wanted yeah. something that was kind of in the community and was accessible to kids. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: And I suppose if you had had something like that growing up, it might have totally changed oh, what you would have done.
2: Oh, man, I think about it every single week <laughs> I'm out there. Yeah, if only, you know, not, like my dad was great for encouraging me. My parents were amazing. Yeah, uh, I, I, had, like I said, I dreadful suffered severely with shyness when I was a kid. So mm. he was great at encouraging me to just get up and play. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of my rock school. I, I had a couple of bands when I was when I was young. Yeah. Um, but if I had had something like that, and when you see how how the yeah. kids blossom, it would have been yeah. like, oh, man, yeah, yeah.
0: So it's kind of open to everyone, oh, isn't it?
2: Completely. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. It's someone who just they love playing the drums. Mm. You know, it could be that they're just at home and there's just something missing in their lives and, or yeah. they feel a little bit trapped at home or in school or they feel a bit like the odd one out in school or whatever, yeah. and, you know, it, it's just something else they need. And that's when th- when those guys come in, they they just blossom, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's all about finding your tribe, yeah, I think, isn't yeah, it? What exactly.
2: It be... Finding your tribe.
0: How would you describe your role then as mentor?
2: um there's the obvious stuff throughout the term i'm primarily a bass player songwriter and do a bit of music tech as well so and a singer so i would yeah. do workshops in all of those with the kids and um, but i kind of see my role more as a role of nurturing and um, nurturing the kids and yeah. um, i hope that doesn't sound too self-important there but i, I don't mean it that way i mean that's yeah. that's what's kind of that's my priority when the kids come in. Yeah. My priority isn't really that a kid can, you know, knows all the major minor scales and can fly up and down the fret of a guitar. It's, yeah. it's it's actually more about their personal development, to be honest. That's my greatest buzz from it, is seeing a kid who, you know, probably st- struggled socially or is extremely shy. I mean, it's me. I'm just looking at myself when I was a kid, <laughs> yeah. you know? And that's what gives me most satisfaction from from the job. So I would see myself very much in that, in that role of, it's all in there you know the kids yeah. are so creative they blow our minds yeah. on a weekly basis and you just have to give them space and you know just nurture those little green sheets of ideas and you get you yeah. get very good at spotting them mm. and then i hope you get good at kind of just encouraging them out and not involving yourself in the process too much
0: so that's difficult
2: it, well yeah you, you have to you have to be self-aware actually yeah. all the time because it's very easy to think you're doing a great job with the kids sometimes and actually it's just you're just doing your you're doing your thing you're doing yeah. your style you're not doing theirs yeah even yeah. from a very early stage so i know over the years we've had we've brought in and out guest mentors loads of them in and out over the years and yeah myself and martin would always you know after a, few, a session or a guest session or a few sessions we would always talk about this yeah. and it is amazing who who works out and who doesn't um right. it really is you know and usually yeah. what it comes down to is a person's empathy uh, understanding and and giving the the kids space not how great they are on their instruments or how, mm. how well they're doing in their own career you know
0: yeah who in particular stands out as a, a good uh, guest
2: we've had like ham sandwich come out and did a great a great oh, session first them. maybe yeah. they've been out twice okay. Neve and podge they just came out and they just got it you know they just yeah. got it they did their yeah. thing and they talked about their own career but then they involved the kids. And it was just there it was it was their level of understanding and
0: yeah getting yeah. down
2: with the kids was brilliant. And uh, yeah, Mark yeah. Geary, songwriter yeah. who I've played bass with actually over the years, he was great. We've had the lads from O Emperor out. Oh yeah, okay. Brilliant. You yeah. know, and you know the best guest lectures are actually the ones where all the guys come out and go, Oh my God, I love those guys. <laughs> because there's a yeah. connection. They develop a connection with them. It's yeah. not Ooh, we learned how to do a paradiddle on the snare there. It's not that, it's, yeah. it's all about connection, really, to be honest.
0: Which artists do students admire these days? Like, is it the Ed Sheeran's or is it the more, is it Bob Dylan's? You know what I mean? I'll, I'll,
2: OK, I'll tell you, this is kind of interesting, actually. Um, so when we started off, I think it was 16 years ago or something, was it? Something like that, right? So when we started off and for the first few years, it was all boys, yeah. lots of long hair, rocker T-shirts and red the guitar
0: yeah
2: and and hammering the crap out of drums yeah which i love really. yeah and i think we had one maybe one girl in the first one maybe none even maybe in the second one then a girl came in and then it all started to change as big female acts started to break through mm-hmm. more and more in in the pop world so like when the likes of adele or somebody like that broke through yeah you don't you could almost see like the year after suddenly mm-hmm. there would be and then one day we looked around, and half the class was girls. Right. I think like, this is amazing. Yeah. And the shreddy, Loud guitar guys were just decreasing and decreasing and decreasing in number. Yeah. yeah. Um. And then for our sins, Ed Sheeran came along, <laughs> and God bless him. Yeah. He's great and all, but he came along, and everybody in the world wants to be Ed Sheeran.
0: Yeah. Are you talking about male and female?
2: Yeah. Well, <laughs> like all the boys and girls. They all came in, and it was all four chords and that style. That I guess he he kind of was the catalyst for, yeah. Which wasn't great for us to be honest, because it's it was four <laughs> chords every time. It was the same tone, the same melody, thing. So it's been a, it's been a really strange roller coaster um, of influences and all of that. Mm. In about the last ten years, we have noticed that the range of influences on kids has terrifyingly reduced right because of the nature if you think about it of the way that people listen to music nowadays so when we when we were growing up we went out and sourced our music yeah so if you discovered i don't know beatles record or Bob dylan record or Mm. you know something very poppy i don't know like an erasure record something like Mm. that you love that record you listened to that album you knew it inside out till the tape ran out or whatever and then you would Go and look for more music. And you would share that with your friends. So you were the source of the the journey for new music yeah. all the time. Okay. Yeah. And then you would share with your friends. And I remember doing it and it was so exciting. And when you discovered yeah. new music and heard something for the first time, it was like, Jesus.
0: I know. Yeah.
2: And then bang, internet, no more record sales. All information is flowing in via Facebook. Whatever. Yeah. The number of record labels is reducing dramatically. Two, three, four, whatever it is now, major, look after everything. So all the kids are listening to the same thing. Everybody is listening to the same music. So then we realised that there was you weren't getting that um, mixture of indie kids, emo kids, rockers, um, somebody maybe with a kind of a classical background, maybe a bit of jazz, maybe or whatever. You weren't getting that anymore. It was all morphing. They were all morphing into one. Yeah. (laughs) One generic little pop star. Yeah. And so that was a challenge for a few years because we'd be like, lads, what do you know? And then they'd come out and write their own songs, and they were better, you know. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Um, but actually, I mean, that's changed. That's starting to change again in the last few years. Thankfully, I mean, the diversity is 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 yeah. is great, it's great. Yeah. And they seem to be listening to more diverse music as well. Well, answering your question, I don't know who the big big stars are at the moment. But th- there was a time when it was just like but we we always open with a, a group class, we'd yeah. get to know the guys, and we'd say, "I have two tickets for you here. Who do you want to go see?" And you you could honestly get. Ray Ed Sheeran's, a mm. few MMs oh, yeah. and Little Mix or whoever is, is a recent one yeah, as well. So. Yeah. But over the last few years, it's 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 completely changed. It's like kids are back listening to their dad's records again, yeah. I think.
0: I thought the Declare and Protest project was a really interesting idea. Just chatting to Martin mm. about it as well, about the protest song and how music is very subject wise, it's quite superficial these days, really. There's no strong messages being sung about. So it was an, an interesting idea to kind of maybe open their eyes and the listeners' eyes to something a bit different. Maybe we could absolutely go to using music that way again, yeah.
2: Because you want the kids. That's kind of the point. That's the kind of the point of the music. If kids are, are, you know, if kids are having a tough time in school, let them write and sing about it. If they're, if they're having internal issues about their sexuality, if they're having issues about their their place in their among their friends, if they're having issues at home with. Addiction issues at home, and the family, whatever it is, yeah. let them belt it out and get get crazy in the music because that's that's what works. It's, you know, it's artistic; it it always has been. So
0: yeah, and you see yeah. it,
2: you see it working for them. You know, you really do.
0: Mm. And it's so important now to have a kind of creative outlet as well with everyone stuck at home, I suppose. And
2: mm-hmm.
0: but just yeah, general, you know, the uh, the pressures on young people too that they can't kind of channel it so. Having yeah. something like that is, is amazing. It's fantastic for yeah. them. It really, really is. The final thing maybe is just hmm. to um ask you about the album that they're going to be hopefully releasing. How is it coming along? How's it sounding?
2: Um, it is due for release on the first of June, if I'm not mistaken. That's the, the date that's penciled in. It's obviously a very different beast than it's been every other year because we've had to do it all online. Soundtrack. Over soundtrack, yeah, which yeah. is just has been great, you know, but it's it's dating the obvious, it's not the same as sitting in a room with the guys and, and doing it. But yeah. also if the kids are at a point, if the young people are at a point where they're able to kind of, some of them are, where they'll bang out tunes and they th- they can bring it. Yeah. The song is kind of written, but if the guys have little ideas here and there and you're, like I was talking about earlier, where you're trying to draw out those ideas yeah, and yeah. elaborate on them, Zoom is not the place for it, you know, we we tried, but it was extremely, extremely difficult. And you know, I really felt for the guys because they're at school all day looking at the screen and then they're trying to do this on screen as well. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: it's
2: tough. But still, there's still a bunch of. I think there's about twenty songs that are being mixed by various tough, mentors yeah. at the moment, and yeah, and so we'll have an album. Yeah, this year yeah. wasn't the, wasn't the same, but the creativity is still there, you know.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it'll still be amazing.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're they're always amazing. My God, it's we do a showcase gig at the end of every year, yeah, usually in the grand social or wherever, and just every year I'm doing it a long time now, and I shed a tear every year. It is. It's mind blowing. Yeah. What they what they come out with, and it's quite frantic to build up to the gig. And then you, you know, I usually am see it, and I, I'll say my bit, and then I'll come back off the stage and just watch.
0: Yeah. Always, yeah.
2: Always magical, you know. Because oh, you remember amazing. them coming in six months earlier, and they're up there belting it out into a mic, yeah, you know. Fantastic. magical, Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Thanks so much to Elton Mullally for speaking to us today. A clip there of I Gotta Say by Jason Bulger and Blohin Reedy, both past students of Sub Sounds. And yes, you might recognise that as our podcast theme tune. Thank you to Martin, Lindsay and Elton. Great to hear about the amazing work taking place at Sub Sounds. And we look forward to hearing the album. In next month's podcast, we'll be talking to the Sub Sounds students. So do join us for that one. This podcast was produced by Music Generation South Dublin, supported by Contact Studio. That's it from me, Paula McCarthy. Thank you for listening and join us in the next Generation Music podcast.